The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. everybody, and welcome to a holiday special episode of Thinking Sideways. I am, of course, am Steve, as usual, joined by uh, my two little elves. <laughs> Devin. And Joe. What, you guys are elves? Joe. No. <laughs> Is that better? No. If anything, maybe all three of us are elves. Yeah, we kind of might be. Because it's the holidays, we're going to talk about a holiday-themed mystery that you may not have realized was a mystery. Yeah. And mm. that is the origin of the Nutcracker. Mm. Yeah. And I'm talking about not the not the little metal ones. Yeah. The, the yeah, actual yeah. decorative ones. Yeah, Those the ones, ones that look like little soldiers. The big soldiers. wooden ones. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And since I'm the first one up today, I'll go ahead and just give the brief bit of history that supposed history that we have about them. And then we'll actually talk about my theory of where the Nutcracker came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already. Because we all have theories. We always We've have. all done our own research. And... As usual. Thinking about this since I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So officially, the story goes that in Germany, sometime in the 15th century, there was a, n- a Nutcracker challenge, which is strange, uh, but it was won by a puppet maker 
who came up with what we now know to be the design of the decorative wooden nutcracker. The lore around the design of it disagrees with itself in a couple of tellings, uh, but the in, in some, as we were just saying, it's got the lever on the back and the mouth closes to crack the nut. That's the official version. Uh, there's other versions that say that, in actuality, the nutcrackers were two pieces of wood that were strapped together, and I guess you stuck the nut in at the end where the strap was and used leverage to, to break it. Actually, the original ones, you just sort of like wedge the nut into the mouth of it and then you smash it against something hard. Well, that yeah. <laughs> is also one yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, they always looked like people. They were always designed to be a little human figure. And so the, then, of course, as time went on, they got a little more charming and people had them around in the holidays. And what we don't really know is why. Why are they so, so popular at this time of year? And I have done the research, and I have what the actual reason is. Mm. Really? You ready to hear this? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I pieced this together from some really old manuscripts that were uh, that have been coming out of Eastern Europe and as PDFs. And they're on the internet now. Then they're on the internet now. Uh, thank God for the internet. Yes, indeed. So here's here's what happened is... Sometime in the 15th century, there was a plague that was roaming Europe, and uh, it, it's it's a fun myth today, but it was a creature that not was... Not so fun at the time. No, not so yeah. fun at the time, but it's a fun myth now. So they, these are considered a myth, but they were real, and that is the Wolpertinger. For those of you who aren't familiar with this little creature, uh, they're small, they're furry, they travel cr close to the ground, um, and when they're scared, they fly away, though normally they don't have to. They have duck wings. Yeah, they have little duck-like wings on them, yeah. Interesting, mm -hmm. yeah, they're little furry creatures, but they have feathered duck wings on mm -hmm. them, which is pretty cool. They're about the size of a rabbit, mm -hmm. and they have horns, which they'll use to, to defend themselves if they need to, though they don't normally need to, because they're great at distraction, and they, uh, they use their little squirrel-like tail to flip around and confuse a predator before they scurry away. So they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty quick little boogers. Pretty well adapted. Yeah, and the problem is is uh, they were for a while they were just a bit of a nuisance, but after after time because they reproduce so fast they were actually like rabbits. Like rabbits, they were threatening all of the crops in Europe. They were devouring things. People were worried they were going to starve to death because there was no food. Yeah, you know, that happened a lot back in those days. You it kind of did. One bad, one bad crop and you were screwed. Or one know, really vicious little, you know, crop little vermin guy, yeah. Yeah. So, not knowing what to do about this infestation, the uh, a plea from the royalty was put out to all the learned men in in the country to kind of come up with to come up with a solution to this. Actually, not the country, the continent. Really. The continent. Yeah, really, yeah. you're right. I I did understate that a little bit. Well, two men came forward. Today, they're only known as Sir Chapman and Pastor Palin, but oh. these men stepped forward with what they claimed was the solution. Mm-hmm. And their solution was to use a blend of chicken feathers and foie gras and to spread it around the entrances to their warrens. The thinking being that they would be unable to cross that barrier and therefore they would starve to death in their warrens and the problem would go away. That makes a total sense. N no. No? <laughs> no. Well, not really. Not but, even yeah. a little. <laughs> well, it, it turns out you're both right because it went horribly, horribly wrong. 
because it turned out instead of trapping them in their burrows and starving them to death, uh, it actually drove them into a frenzy. And these little guys became not only rabid, but they developed, courtesy of the foie gras, a taste for flesh. Yeah, because they were vegetarians before that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were specifically now after liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wouldn't want to eat my liver. <laughs> Soon, entire villages were being destroyed as they tore through the townsfolk, literally with their horns. Uh, and, you know, and, and there was no human organ that was spared from the destruction of these little boogers. But especially the livers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you can imagine... This had to be stopped, and soon enough, a solution was found at an Oktoberfest. Uh, there were men who started, after consuming all of the beer that was in the kegs, started walking around wearing said brightly colored kegs, and turns out that the uh, the little guys couldn't use their horns to get through the, the keg to the liver, so nobody was hurt. Yeah, the only problem is, is the only really entree to the keg was up to the bottom, and you know what, that leads you past if you're one of those little guys. Well, these were the... tall. These were tall kegs. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. they were tall kegs, you know, and you only, you only have to wear it down there low so that the guy can't get you. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, they're low to the ground to start with, so that's where you're going to put your, your defenses. Mm, okay. Think about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what happened is they uh, they started advancing on the Wolpertingers, and what they would do is they were shouting brow. As they were doing that, they were throwing large bread uh, pretzels at them. Oh, the kind with tons of salt on yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. You know, the things you usually have with beer. And they got hypertension and they died of, like, you know, No, heart no. It, it turns out that these critters, believe it or not, were gluten intolerant. Oh. So it decimated them. And they were able to clear the continent in a matter of hours of this pest. As we all know, I mean, gluten intolerance just, you know, it'll kill you in an hour. Yeah. Uh, less. It's less, apparently. It, it, is, it is really, it, 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 yeah, it's yeah. terrible. I'm it's a terrible I, thing. Glad I don't have it. Yep. So this is how uh, the, the nutcrackers came about to be so popular, is that the wooden armor and the shapes of the men's mouth when they were shouting brow, that was what... were what, they doing? Shouting brow over and over. Just like brow. Yeah. That exactly. It means eat the pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, believe it or not, this is the story. How this story disappeared, I don't know, but it was slowly covered up by the media at the time. Well, because you know, they were busy covering, you know, religious wars and whatnot, and the internet sucked. Well, plus also this represented. You can you could say, well, this is humanity's salvation, or you could say a great environmental crime was committed. Hello, that yeah. is a good reason, but. Yeah. Either way, it was then to commemorate the next year, they realized they needed to commemorate these men who had saved the continent. And so they, they made these little wooden soldiers that were painted to match the kegs. Yeah. And those in time evolved into more of a soldier-esque figure mm -hmm. yeah. that didn't look like he was just a barrel, but looked like he was an actual person. Yeah, and typically so, these were released in sets. So you'd have the, you'd have the nutcracker with this little barrel-shaped thing and brightly painted, and there'd be a lot of little... Wolfentingers that you would surround him with, and but so you, being smaller you, and more delicately carved, they got they got crushed and or lost over the years. Yeah, so and, and it turns uh, out that the uh, you know like the the Hefeweizen style nutcracker guy wasn't nearly as popular, so we lost the yellow one to mm -hmm, history. Mm -hmm, so there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that disappeared on the sides with this. Yeah. So that is actually why we have the nutcracker. 
Really? Yeah. So, Devin, what do you think? Are you in agreement with that? I can see the word that she is. She keeps mouthing over and over, and it's not a nice word. I'm glad she's not saying <laughs> it out loud. Nix. <laughs> Has something to do with cows. Yeah. Well, I, sh- I should explain one bit, which is how I know all of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you should talk about that, though. Yeah. So there was a documentary made. I, I got to admit, I didn't actually find this from stuff that's been coming out on the internet only recently. Yeah. There was a movie made about 35 or 40 years ago. Almost 40. Almost 40 years ago. Actually, more than 40. And it was a a great documentary. Uh, It was directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. And it features a creature that is very similar and as deadly as the Wolpentinger. Which I think is probably how you found out that it was that that was even a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I put two and two together because mm-hmm. if you look out there, the clues are there and you just need to know where to look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, sheeple. Yeah. I know. The, I, um, I saw a documentary actually about the making of this documentary. They originally had big plans for, for making the, the rabbit wear a wig and some fake wings and some antlers and stuff like that. And the mm-hmm. rabbit really didn't take to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a low-budget movie, so they really couldn't afford to take a couple of months off and train the rabbit. So which, they is, just, which is a shame. But yeah, yeah, so they went with the white bunny. Budgets instead. are what budgets are. Yeah, yeah kind of. Well, you know, I think that's a nice story, Aww. Steve. Um, you think it's a fairy tale, don't I you? Think, I do. I think it's kind of a fairy tale because I also have seen a documentary about nutcrackers, so I actually have the in on, on how this actually went down all right and you know me. as my favorite stories often do this one starts with a princess in a far-off land oh i thought it was supposed to start with bullet points nope so there was this princess in a faraway land calm down it's fine and she was tricked by this woman who was called madame mouseketeer and um you're laughing but that's like that's the translation i'm sorry this is a russian story this uh, Nutcrackers actually came from Russia, not Germany. I I don't know if you guys know that or not, but mm. it's true. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. So anyway, so in Russia, there was this princess and she was, well, okay, Madame Mouseketeer was often also called the Mouse Queen. So we'll just call her the Mouse Queen for now. Can we just call her Minnie? No, we're going to call her Mouse Queen. There was one day where the Mouse Queen tricked this princess into allowing her and her children, the, the queen, not not the princess, to eat up a bunch of lard that Mm. was being reserved actually to go into the sausages for the princess's father, the king's dinner that night. Okay. So obviously the king was like mad about this, right? Nodding. The king noticed the lard was missing from the Yeah, well, because they couldn't make sausage. No, they didn't even, they couldn't make sausage. He noticed the sausage wasn't He noticed the sausage was missing. And so- You can't make sausage without lard? Apparently. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And, And, you know, and the queen, not the mouse queen, the- princess's mom yeah, the, the, queen, the real queen was upset because she couldn't make the sausage for the king and so everyone was mad at the princess so the, you know the queen is upset that she can't make the sausage and the princess is in kind of deep trouble for letting the mouse queen or madame mouseketeer eat the lard and her children so the king um commissioned this a uh, court inventor um whose name was drosselmeyer um, to create some traps for the mouse queen and her children, which oh, worked. cruel. Yeah. I think we use those today. We do. They're different, but we do. <laughs> so what he created was kind of similar to Nutcrackers. But unfortunately, it did get all the children, but it didn't get the mouse queen. And so the mouse queen, who was obviously like upset. annoyed. Yeah. yeah. Upset. Understandably upset. She swore that she would take revenge on the princess. 
so so she the, she shoots through the network cable and all the internet yeah went yeah out yeah and, no yeah. this was this you know, is this why was, the internet took yeah. so long to come back yeah. yeah no this was olden time so no but since you know her name was the mouse queen the king and the queen who were parents to the princess i know there's lots of kings and queens here i'm sorry they decided that they would protect the princess by putting a circle of cats around the the princess that sounds perfect it's good well because the mouse you don't want the mouse queen to get past them but cats sleep a lot so there were nurses who were assigned to each cat to pet the cat to keep it alive to protect the princess keep it awake, keep it awake yeah. oh yeah oh like, not alive, not alive. <laughs> um, they have nine lives i was gonna say i gotta do. go pet my cats in a hurry yeah <laughs> it's the only way you keep cats alive it's yeah. true yeah well um of course we all know how this story is going to go. Oh. The nurses fall asleep and the mouse queen gets past. She puts a spell on the princess. Now, I know what you're thinking. Spells aren't real, but mm-hmm. actually they are. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are. They were, at least in Russia in this time. Let's be honest here. There's a lot of hinky things happening in Russia that we can only attribute to magic. Okay, Mrs. Potter. It's it's a dark, mysterious place. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So the spell or curse that um, the Mouse Queen put on the princess um, was to make her ugly because her soul was ugly, I guess. But it gave her a huge head with a really wide, grinning mouth and a cottony beard, just like a nutcracker, like the traps that killed her children to make Mm. her look like that. Mm. Quite the curse. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Reminds me of somebody I know, actually. But not you. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'd be happy to know. Steve? Not Steve either. No, oh, okay. Well, obviously the king blamed the inventor. Drosselmeyer. Drosselmeyer. And he said, you've got four weeks to find a cure for my beautiful daughter who's now ugly and horrible looking. Drosselmeyer was big into the occult, you know, again, a Russian thing. And so he um, took the princess to have her horoscope read. And it turned out from the horoscope they could tell that Steve is looking skeptical right now. It turned out that from the horoscope, they could tell that the cure was um, that she had to eat a nut. And that nut had to be crushed in the hand of a man who had never grown a beard or never shaved his beard or worn boots in his entire life. And that's pretty specific. It's, yeah. Listen. Oh, and the nut was also a very specific nut. The, too. the nut, nut was a very, nut, yeah, right? it was a very specific kind of nut. And then without opening his eyes after he gave, gave her the nut, he had to walk back seven steps without stumbling. And then the Sounds curse like a would dance be broken. Move. Yeah, it does kind of sound like a dance move, huh? So obviously they go scouring all of Russia to find this A guy who's never worn guy. boots and never had a haircut? Yeah, shaved. Oh, never he shaved. He could have had a haircut. He just had never shaved. Ah, okay. They travel around, but it turns out that Drosselmeyer's nephew might actually be a perfect fit for this the person to break the curse. Whoa. So, so they, they spent all that time looking, but the, well, like a lot the of, guy was right there. In her, yeah. In I her mean, foot. a lot of guys came and like broke their jaws trying to break these nuts because I don't know why they were like trying to break them with their teeth when they should have known you just break it with your hand. Or but grab a nutcracker. They're dumb guys. No, not nutcrackers. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and so finally the nephew comes and like breaks this nut with a hand and gives it to... Uh, the princess, and she eats it, and she turns back into a beautiful creature of, you know, being a princess. Well, then he's still um, got to walk backwards He does still have to, Yeah, so he walks back six and a half steps, and when he takes the final half step, um, he stepped on the mouse queen, 
who was there. Who went squish. She didn't go squish. But he did, of course, stumble. And so the curse was transferred to him. Well, that's a crappy curse. Yeah. Or a crappy solution to the curse, actually. So the Mouse Queen actually deliberately did this, I assume, I think, yes. I I have my suspicions. I think there's a wide conspiracy theory here. Well, seriously. That's rather rude behavior on her part. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, it turns out that princess maybe was kind of an ugly person because despite the fact that this nephew, Drosselmeyer's nephew, Mm. came and... um, you know, broke the curse for her and he accidentally took it onto himself. So he turned into this ugly kind of nutcracker looking thing. She said, Oh no, you're no, you're not cute. I don't want to, I won't be with you. Mm-hmm. Typical. Nope. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> Typical behavior. Yeah. yeah. So actually our, the documentary that I watched, um, that I've seen, actually I've, I grew up with this documentary. The hard hitting um, documentary. It is a hard, hard hitting documentary starts several years later also in Russia, and it may sound familiar to you guys because um, you've probably seen this documentary as well. It's called The Nutcracker, which is how you know it's a hard-hitting documentary about the creation of The Nutcracker. Oh, is that how you know? Yeah. Okay. Duh. So if you if you have seen the documentary, you know that a young girl named Clara was given a nutcracker by none other than Drosselmeyer, the inventor slash clockmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, well, it was given to her family, but she was like the primary caretaker. Clara was seven at the time when the original filming happened. There have been a lot of remakes of this documentary, you know, dramatic recreations and stuff like that. Yeah, she's like, you know, 83 now, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to her age in a minute here. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, it turns out that the Rat King, who was actually the Mouse Queen's husband, had taken up residence in Clara's family's house. And, you know... Parents can be kind of jerks and deny things. And I think they were just willfully denying the fact that their house was being taken over. By rodents. By rodents. I would. Yeah. Or oblivious or I don't know. But on Christmas Eve, um, the rat army made its move to try to take over the house. And they defeated the doll army. And the doll army was obviously trying to protect Clara because she's a young girl and like dolls protect children. Uh, Sure they do. Yeah. Yeah, that that really isn't creepy to think about the fact that dolls come to life at night. Well, that's, you know, the documentary Toy Story proved that, so I don't know. That's a good point. What your problem is. I never had um, dolls when I was a kid. It wasn't allowed when you were a little boy, when I, you know, yeah. in my day. Would have been helpful. Yeah. You only get trucks. Trucks yeah. and toy guns, man. Yeah. Well, those are <laughs> See pretty protecting. See how that works for you? Yeah. See? Yeah. But the nutcracker that Clara had been taking care of sprung alive and saved the day from the rat army and, you know, fought them back. Unfortunately for Clara, when she went to, you know, tell her parents, oh my gosh, the Nutcracker is alive, <laughs> they said, um, no. What you, what you want, <laughs> not. kid? Yeah. Unfortunately, the Nutcracker had turned back into his kind of toy-like state. Mm. Reminds me of that, uh, that frog in the old Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then, you know, Christmas night comes around and the rat army comes to try again. I won't go into it. You can just watch the documentary. But um, spoiler alert, the Nutcracker saves Clara and her life and brings her back and defeats the Rat King, and which is great. I mean, you know, her family was all set free. Unfortunately, her family did continue to deny that the Nutcracker was a real thing until, like, a couple months later, Drosselmeyer, the, the clockmaker inventor guy, um, he came back to fix a grandfather clock. And Clara, being a seven-year-old girl, could not contain herself and went to Drosselmeyer and was like, hey, I know your secret. I know about the Nutcracker. I know, I know that he's actually a real person and I love him and I'll love him no matter what he looks like. So I just wanted to tell you that I love him no matter what. 
And um, suddenly there was a knock on the door. Knock, 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 knock. Mm-hmm. Knock. Yeah. yeah. That's and it turns effect. out that, <laughs> that Drosselmeyer's nephew had actually just arrived. Spoiler alert. Drosselmeyer's ne- nephew was the nutcracker the whole time. And the curse was broken by true love. And so he asked Clara if she would marry him. And of course she said yes, because like what seven-year-old girl isn't just dreaming of marriage? Oh, exactly. But her no. family said, no, you have to wait a year and a day before we'll let you marry <laughs> Until him. Until you're like eight. And yeah. Then, yeah. So then he came back a year later it and he took her away. At that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To um, Doll, Doll Kingdom, where I, you know, I'm planning a trip to Doll Kingdom, actually. But um, Are you now? They, you know, Dosselmeyer's nephew and Clara rule as king and queen of Doll Kingdom to this day. And then Doll Island has made all of these nutcrackers to help keep kids safe from the rat army. Mm. And, to you know, to scare them off because they, they know that that's what works against the rat army. And, and so when they the, see them. the exterminators of the world that are keeping this story down because they would be out of work otherwise? Yeah, exactly. And the rats. Oh, well, yeah, the rats are doing it. Yeah, too, but. The rats as humans. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. No, yeah. I, and the, as for your trip to the doll place, uh, you know, I hear your buck goes a lot further there. I I've hear, heard that, too. I've heard it's kind of expensive to get there, but once you're there, it's Yeah, it's cheap. really, really Whatever cheap. you do, don't take the cruise there, though. Yeah, no. no, I won't. Don't worry. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and the reason that they come out in this time of year is because this is when the rodents are coming into the house. You know, in the summer, you don't need the nutcrackers around because the rodents are all around. But when it's getting cold and they come inside, you have to have the nutcrackers to keep your family safe. Uh-huh. Right. Got it. Russia, the land of magic. And big rats. And giant rats. <laughs> that yeah. you have to put out nutcrackers. What do you think? Do you guys... Well, it's sort of like, uh, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but there's a there's a big story that you guys haven't heard. Well, I, I think the big problem with the, the story that you're telling is, uh, I can sum up in one word. What? Magic. Well, no... Because, like, listen, magic is just a word for things we don't understand yet, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, magic is just a word for science that we don't understand yet. Okay. So yeah. someday we'll, we'll get that I'll, nut cracked. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Your, your iPhone, if you had one, would seem you know, very magical to somebody who you know, had lived 100 some years ago. No, it wouldn't because they would smash it. Yeah, they would. So it wouldn't be magical at all. Oh, it makes sense too. It would just be this pile of glass and metal. Yeah. 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 I, uh, but, I mean, actually, what, what Devin says is that technology of a high enough level is indistinguishable from magic. Okay, so, I feel a lead in here. So, yeah, the behavior of the nutcracker and maybe some other nutcrackers is not necessarily magic at all, but easily explained. All right, let's hear it. So this might put everything in a different light. Uh, the story of the nutcracker begins roughly in the mid-1450s A.D. That's Anno Domingo. Uh, according to some lost, lost writings, uh, which very recently turned up on the Internet. Thank God for the Internet once again. And this story starts in the tiny hamlet of Unterschläger, Munchen, Haus und Frauzonlich, um, in what is today central Bavaria. Uh, I'm going to shorten the name of this village to just Unter, if that's okay, okay with you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, fine. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a very old, traditional kind of farming town where, where everybody lives simple, bucolic lives of filth and squalor. Uh, when the harvests were good, of course, it made for a nice winter, but uh, the rest of the time things were kind of lean. That was the way it was back in the old days. And we try to romanticize that, but no, it really sucked. The simple folk of Unter uh, came out of their hovels early one morning at the crack of dawn, and they were greeted by a rather uh, startling sight, which, standing in the middle of the town square, there was a giant humanoid statue. Uh, it was made of black material, which 
almost felt like metal to the touch, but not quite. And that was when people finally worked up the courage to actually walk up to it and touch it. Um, it was black. It didn't seem to reflect light. It didn't seem to absorb light. It was kind of mysterious material. Uh, the villagers began to move in a circle around the statue, and they were squawking among themselves and uh, arguing about the meaning of the whole thing and what it was doing there. Uh, and then one of them spots a large bone laying on the ground, uh, and there's some disagreement among historians about whether this was a cow's femur or maybe a human femur. Because, like I said, things did get a little lean from time to time in these towns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of not for sure, but it was a big, hefty bone. So the guy picks it up and turns to the guy next to him and starts beating the hell out of him. But uh, other than the giant statue being present there and all the vicious beatings, of course, things other than that were life was pretty much unchanged in winter. But local artisans and amateur experts came from all over the countryside to take a look at the statue. They didn't have much in the way of scientific you know, uh, instruments. They could sticks and rocks. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't give it a CAT scan or an MRI or anything like that, but they could poke it and tap it and, and whatever. And, and that's, it occurred to somebody that they should measure it. So they did. It was six hands deep. That's from the front of the chest to the back. 24 hands wide. That's shoulder to shoulder. And 54 hands tall. A stranger appeared who took note of these measurements, uh, and he was somewhat conversant with math, apparently. And he noted that the numbers reduced to 1 to 4 to 9, which are the squares of the numbers 1, 2, and 3. Okay. Yeah. Uh, This mathematician, if that's what exactly he was, but he thought that was significant, uh, the townsfolk, for their part, were suspicious of him and his fancy pants theories, and so they all grabbed their pitchforks and drove him out of town. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah that's about that's that's typical st- villager behavior. Standard operating procedure. Were there procedure. torches involved? There's always somebody with a torch. Uh, actually, they drove him out in daylight, so torches were not necessary. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. But... Well, torches, you know, aren't always necessary, but they just add a little something oh, they add to a little driving out. Yeah, yeah, they add ambiance. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, definitely there were other drivings out that did require torches. So, they are yeah. what make a uh, an angry mob of villagers so quaint. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, all the, all the farm implements. Mm-hmm. Nobody, not a single rifle among them. Just, yeah, adzies and pitchforks and stuff like that. Hey, uh, but let's continue with our story of the statue. It was there for three days, and then one day the villagers woke up, and it was gone. Just like that. Vanished without a trace, except for some massive garbage can-sized footprints leading off to the forest to the northwest. But, is, that, is that technically without a trace? Yeah, so not mm. quite without a trace, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so that sparked a little debate. Well, do we track this thing and see what it's up to, or do we just stay the hell away from it and leave well enough alone? And at that point, enter Old Juan, who was a, a local woodsman and mountain man type guy and an ace tracker. And he volunteered his services in tracking the statue. Which, again... He probably overcharged. Yeah. <laughs> well, he volunteered. They didn't really need Juan to do any tracking since the statue had left, you know, again, deep footprints, and uh, it wouldn't take any more woodcraft to track the statue. So there. he assembled a party, I presume? Yeah, he did. He tried to, but, yeah, following this guy would not would not have been tough. But uh, uh, Old Juan volunteered to follow the statue, and everybody agreed that was a great idea, but everyone was otherwise committed, and nobody was able to accompany Juan. So he just went with, by himself? Yeah, finally he gave up on trying to persuade anybody to go with him. Uh, needless to say, he was never heard from again. There's a lot of theories surrounding his, disappear- his disappearance. Um, it's possible he went off to start a new life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or he, you know, maybe just had an accident in the woods, was eaten by bears, or 
he was maybe the statue turned on him and ate him. I mean, we don't know. Maybe they lived happily ever after together. Yeah, uh, you could have moved in with the statues. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, but uh, forgetting old Juan, but uh, that's kind of a he's kind of a footnote to history. But not long after that, wooden replicas very similar to the statues started popping up everywhere. Interestingly enough, starting in the village of Unter. And it's longer than that, I know, but I shortened it. But, uh, yeah, but moving out from there, uh, uh, more and more in surrounding areas, uh, these little things were, were popping up everywhere. Puzzle is, is, who was making these things? Because they seemed like these, you know, very... Intricate. Lo- yeah, intricate, lovingly handcrafted uh, statuettes or nutcrackers or whatever you want to call them. But the people who lived in this area had no time for this kind of crap. Because a typical working day for these farmers was 14 hours of back-breaking labor in the fields. And after that, you come home, and you've got to spend another 45 minutes scraping the manure off yourself. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then there's, that doesn't leave a whole lot of more time for like arts and crafts. So the question is, is who was doing this? These things showed up in local shops. The first recorded instance of a purchase was in late November, or perhaps early December 1455. And the name of the buyer is lost to the ages, so we'll call him Wilhelm. And these things did have articulated bodies, and everybody assumed that they were nutcrackers, because what the hell else are they good for, right? So the nutcracker was given by Wilhelm as a present to somebody else at an office Christmas party. And uh, it was re-gifted about a week later on Christmas Eve. And thus was born, by the way, the ancient Christmas tradition of re-gifting. I don't know if the re-gifters did it because they were cheap, or they had no use for the nutcrackers, or maybe... The nutcrackers were creeping them out. That could be it. That would be it. There might be. They something are creepy about, little things. Well, you know, it could be one of those things where you know you're sitting there in your living room and you got this nutcracker over there in the corner, or maybe sitting on the mantelpiece, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, did that thing move out of the corner of my eye? That kind of thing. Yeah, they're they're yeah. weird. Yeah, in the village and and also in a widening geographic area, ever spreading uh, over the next few years, there was a lot of regifting going on. Often somebody would have just gotten rid of a couple of nutcrackers, and then he'd open up his presents under the Christmas tree and find another one or two waiting for him there. Oh, and that's so the worst. everybody, it seemed like pretty soon everybody in Europe had at least one nutcracker, if not more than one. And at this point, of course, I'm not going to keep you guys in suspense. You probably figured this out, but for the few of you that haven't, the original 18-foot-tall statue, it turns out, was a self-replicating alien probe. Such things are not unheard of. They've been, you know... These things have been actually prophesied by many, many scientists here in America and abroad. Such things can and probably do exist or maybe will exist someday soon. We'll, know, we'll find out one of these days. Uh, but an army of little killer cyborgs was metastasizing across the European continent created by the original statue or monolith or whatever you want to call it. And history as we know it was about to be drastically rewritten. But meanwhile, all these little cyborgs were being used to crack nuts because actually that's what people thought they were, was nutcrackers. <laughs> uh, so if they weren't re-gifting them, they were cracking nuts with them. And I'm not sure these little Terminators felt about being used this way. They probably thought it was kind of undignified at the very least, maybe a little insulting. Uh, I assume they just bided their time and waited for the rise of the machines and the robotic takeover, and then they would have their time for their revenge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so nobody really knew this at the time, but things were not looking up for humanity. Uh, we were kind of on the razor's edge there. Uh, but then, uh, stroke of luck, uh, on November 14th, 1457, our son burped up a very large coronal mass ejection, 
which hit the earth around midday European time. And you guys know what a coronal mass ejection is, right? Yeah. I do, yeah. but you might want to explain it. Yeah. yeah, occasionally the sun just burps up very large quantities of, you know, highly charged material and spits them out, you know, away from the sun, off into space. If the, the earth and the sun are, are in a certain position, then sometimes this, this huge blast of stuff hits our planet. The last time this happened to us in, in a, on a large scale was in 1859. Right. When we experienced what's called the Carrington event. And at that time, a lot of electrically based stuff, that, not that we have a lot of it back in 1859, but we had things like, you know, sun power lines and we had telegraph lines, things like mm -hmm. that. Stuff got toasted. They burst some, into flames. Some of, some of that stuff did burst into flames, yeah. And so this is a very fortuitous event for humanity because all those delicate electronic innards inside all those quote-unquote nutcrackers which weren't were, shielded which really they were not and so we got to say once again uh, you'd think that the aliens would have been smart enough to plan for something like that but you know it's amazing what changes from upper management will do yeah yeah you I know mean, the simplest things get cut out for budget reasons well, i know, see it all the time I, yeah i mean I, I you know i think that uh, everybody assumes that aliens are going to be more competent than human beings but there's no reason to really think so let's 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 face it incompetence is kind of a universal rule so what yeah. did the right. vogons do yeah, exactly. Uh, well, so these things were basically bricks now. They were no longer sophisticated little Terminators. They were just bricks and suitable for nothing more, really, than just being nutcrackers. Uh, and so that's how they were introduced, introduced actually by an alien species. And, of course, some of them did occasionally come alive, you know, like, like for example, to rescue the princess from the Rat Army. But for the most part, they just sat there playing dumb and pretending like they were just, you know, kitchen implements, nutcrackers. In holiday decorations. But they were just waiting for their turn. Hmm. Which, tragically for them, never happened. Well, no. I don't know. I mean, I, I personally, I, I, having done my research and watched the documentaries, I still think that I have the right answer. But you two mm. are welcome to believe whatever stories you want mm -hmm. as to what the real truth is behind the nutcracker. Well, the whole thing about it is, is like, you know, rabbits, rabbits with antelope horns, I know, of course they exist, but the duck wings, come on, dude. <laughs> I mean, really. Listen, just because you don't understand a cryptid doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean at least that some taxidermist hasn't created it. Yeah, I mean that's really the problem here. I mean we know rats exist. We know like giant rats exist. Aliens and, and like be... some weird cryptid animal. No, I mean well, listen, well, we, are, we are killing species off left, right, and center. They're, they don't. They hardly exist anymore. We wiped them out. We, yeah. yeah, there's there's almost no species left. Yeah, all we gotta we've do is, eaten them all. All we got to do is wipe each other out, and, they, and then we're uh, good. Yeah. Great slate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know rat, We know giant rats exist, and they have very, very bad attitudes towards people. So I think I'm right. Do. And if there, are, if there are rats, they must have a rat king. Yeah. There's no well, doubt about there's, that. Yeah. There's punk rats, you know, with their yeah. little rat mohawks. Mm -hmm. those, yeah. are the, those I see all the time downtown. Yeah, well, you yeah. got to carry your nutcracker with you, and they'll just run away because they'll be like, oh, no, it's that guy that beat us off thousands of years ago. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this special holiday episode. You can uh, in believe whichever version of the story you want. That's why we've got them all out there. Uh, enjoy your holiday. Have fun. Be safe. And we will talk to you soon. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, Happy New Year and all that stuff, too. Bye, guys. Oh, yeah. Ho, ho, ho.